Eons past, a monstrous hybrid of land and marine reptiles was sealed into a state of suspended animation, slumbering through the fall of dinosaurs and the rise of man. But awakened by an undersea nuclear test, the creature returned to life, now breathing the fires of radiation. Stan Lee presents Godzilla, King of the Monsters! The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. This episode, The Great Godzilla Roundup, Godzilla King of the Monsters, number 16, November 1978, cover date. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Comic Book Time Machine Presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics. And this is a podcast where I go through the comic books that Marvel published from 1977 to 1986 that were not about their particular superheroes or concepts brought up in-house, but instead were things that they were publishing that were created by other people. And in this case, we are talking about Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which was created by a Japanese film company called Toho Studios. So this issue of Godzilla King of the Monsters is actually the second part of two. This is kind of an offshoot of uh, the main storyline that was going on with S.H.I.E.L.D. chasing him down and creating Red Ronin. That does not, they they don't even appear in this issue. Uh, Last issue, Godzilla was off in the West. He was dealing with some cowboys at a dude ranch, and now he's dealing with them some more. And I guess, you know, most sci-fi shows, especially old school sci-fi shows, they have that Western episode. Just off the top of my head, I can think of a Western episode in Star Trek Next Generation. Star Trek, Red Dwarf, um, well, Twilight Zone, but that's that doesn't really count. Uh, but, you know, they have those episodes where they either go back in time or they, you know, some Western world is created for them. And in this issue, well, he doesn't go back in time, and it's not a situation where the Western world is created for him. This is actually uh, people from the 1970s, you know, and honestly, you know, I, I take, uh, I used to brag a little bit about how my grandfather was a cowboy. Uh, the truth is, he was a cowboy, and he rode the range in California. Uh, horse threw him, he broke his leg, and he had to ride the range in his pickup truck afterward, and I always thought that was kind of funny you know, when I was a kid because, oh, wait, he was a cowboy. And then finding out, oh, he was a cowboy who drove his pickup truck around. Well, you know, cowboys are needed as long as we have cows that we're going to be using for things like, well, slaughter. So anyway, this is taking place in real time, 1978, um, as far as the world, that's what the way the world looks in this, this magazine. I know that there is that Marvel timeline where seven years of Marvel comics equals one year of actual time for them. Uh, They age one year in seven kind of thing. So that way the world can keep going and we can have all these different presidents and stuff like that. But the characters don't develop that fast because you only get 12 stories each, each year because there's 12 months. Anyway, um, this is a Western episode. 
I mean, you, you can't say it's not because these aren't cowboys from the old West. These are definitely cowboys. They are from the new West or the modern West or the contemporary West, I guess we could call it uh, of the seventies. But the truth is um, you are meant to be thinking about all those old cowboy movies. And this comes from the names of the people. There's a, a guy named Ford and a guy named Hawks. And those are uh, plays on, or, or references rather to Western directors and the things that they say, the way that they talk, um, they they definitely are, are are playing into just that that cowboy movie kind of mode. So Godzilla King of Monsters number sixteen uh, came uh, the cover date obviously November nineteen seventy eight, which means that's when they pulled it off the shelves. It went on the shelves August first nineteen seventy eight, and the writer was Doug Mensch. Still, uh, the the artist Herb Trimpey, who is probably the best artist that we see on this magazine. Uh, Daniel Green does the inks. Bob Hall is the editor. Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. Gene Simic is the letterer. And Francois Mouly is the colorist. And the title is, like I said, The Great Godzilla Roundup. So here's what happens. It's night at a ranch just east of Salt Lake City, and Godzilla is going for his midnight stroll through the ranch and through the ranch house. Fortunately, the cowboys who were inside the ranch house last issue, when we had our cliffhanger as Godzilla was stepping onto the ranch house, they have escaped through the window. And we know that they escaped through the window because one of them is yelling as they are running away from the house. We went through that window just in time, Mr. Hawks. Mainly because the window don't exist anymore. (laughs) So I just want to say that's kind of... The level of some of the writing that that happens here, there's a lot of jokey stuff going on in here. Uh, Godzilla continues on his way, though. He doesn't care about the insects who inhabit the land below him as he walks. Uh, Of course, the the insects care. (laughs) Boy, howdy, do they care. So that morning, they call a meeting because they care uh, that allows them to talk about their problems and figure out a plan of action and also allow us to meet once more our cast of characters. Now, our cast of characters are Mr. Hawks, who has lost half of his herd of cattle. Uh, he thinks he's lost it to Godzilla, and he is now ruined, and he wants one thing. He wants revenge. He wants Godzilla dead. <laughs> he wants his family dead. He wants his house burned to the ground. I mean, he is not happy with what Godzilla has done to him and to his business. Now, speaking of business, we have Mr. Ford, who is a rival rancher. And he actually, when he realizes that uh, Mr. Hawks doesn't even care about his his herd anymore, and he's going to get rid of it probably because Mr. Hawks, having lost half of his herd, um, he doesn't have enough cattle left to be able to get his ranch running the way it needs to run because he needs to keep things moving. You know, you, you can't slaughter everything because you have to have you know, you have to have new cattle get, being produced. So he offers to buy Hawks, Hawks's remaining cattle at rock bottom prices. And Hawks is just no way. I wouldn't sell it to you for any price. I would rather die than sell it to you. I hate you. Um, he stops short of saying, I want you dead. I want your family dead, that kind of thing. But uh, he does not like Mr. Ford. What he doesn't know, but what we do know, is that Mr. Ford is actually the one who has been stealing Hawks's cattle and who was originally planting bones 
and then was going to start the story of like cow mutilations with UFOs or something like that. And now he doesn't have to because Godzilla is just around and Godzilla is not eating the cattle, but um, he's getting blamed for it because Mr. Ford, it just sees the opportunity. We also meet Lefty who works for Hawks, but is working with Ford. And then there's a bunch of other cattlemen who are working for Hawks and working for Ford, but they all are going to go after Godzilla. So they all set out after Godzilla, and we actually have someone yell out, the Great Godzilla Roundup is underway! <laughs> yee So they follow Godzilla all the way to this box canyon, and this box canyon is where Ford and Lefty have been hiding Hawks' cattle. So that's a problem. If Godzilla is going to go there and everyone's going to follow him into the box canyon, then everyone's going to realize that the cattle aren't dead. Uh, they are alive. And, and uh, of course, I don't know how long they will stay alive if Godzilla walks through them. But um, anyway, Ford's getting nervous because this means, you know, they're going to find out. So he sends Lefty to go and do something about it. And actually, OK, there's a lot of dumb stuff going on as far as chasing down Godzilla. But the something that Lefty does is actually pretty smart. He starts an avalanche that halts Godzilla's march. The avalanche falls and, and fills in the gap of the canyon that is you know, his natural path. And so this causes, unfortunately, Godzilla to turn and face the posse that is looking to bring Godzilla in. Uh, the caption tells us Godzilla wanted to avoid this, but then he sees, you know, that they're just these little things. And then the caption says, but it seems he has little to fear. So the whole thing right now is for Godzilla, an exercise in annoyance, they shoot at him. They lasso his teeth. One character, Crazy Luke, gets a rope around Godzilla's upper jaw and then leaps off a cliff onto the top of Godzilla's head and then rides Godzilla like some sort of bucking bronco. And everyone laughs and points because look at old Crazy Luke up there. Yeehaw! And he's shouting, yeehaw! Uh, but Crazy Luke gets tossed by Godzilla because Godzilla is mad now and just throws his head forward and crazy Luke goes flying head over heels over Godzilla's snout and they don't show him hanging onto the rope and hanging on you know and getting lowered gently or anything like that no that's the last we see of crazy Luke crazy Luke is dead Godzilla has killed him uh Godzilla in anger lets loose some fiery breath and it shatters the rocks that have uh, the drop down in the avalanche. And and now um, we get into some more human drama as Godzilla goes ahead and goes into the box canyon. Uh, but Ford and his men, in order to stop Hawks and his men uh, from going into the canyon and finding out what is in there, uh, Ford leads his men against Hawks and his men. And there's a brief shootout. And the captioning says the gun battle is brief for several reasons. One, the good guys take cover and the bad guys don't. Two, neither side actually wants to kill. Three, the bad guys are not really bad. Uh, so Hawks and his fellas, they go into the canyon and discover the cattle while Ford gets himself into place because, you know, he's going to, I guess, take out Hawks. You know, if I can't have this cattle, then, then Hawks can't have the cattle. Uh, and so he's on a high perch up on the canyon wall and he's got his gun. He's getting ready to shoot, but he doesn't notice Godzilla sneaking up behind him and sneak. Uh, then Godzilla flicks Hawks 
oh no, flicks cord off the canyon, just like an insect. You know, the way you would do an ant. Like if you had an ant on your shoulder, it's like, ooh, and you just flick it off or a spider or, or whatever. Um, so that's our second person to die from a very, very high fall or low fall. I guess you're falling from the height. And then, you know, like they say, it's, it's not the fall that kills you. It's the landing. But um, he screams and he falls. <laughs> so this comic book is one of the dumbest and one of the funnest comics I've had the pleasure to read in this experiment. Uh, and that's a good thing. It's, it's fun dumb. Um, it's something that is completely ridiculous, but at the same time, it's not so ridiculous that you turn against it. It's just ridiculous enough that you go along with it and you, you can enjoy yourself. If you like Westerns, uh, this is a fun one to get into. If you like Godzilla and Westerns, then, you know, boom, double whammy. Now, there are some problems, but there's also some really good stuff. And one is that the opening splash page is this low perspective image of Godzilla that really gives the sense of scale. And, you know, Herb Trimpey does this a lot in Godzilla. And I've heard from another podcast from, um, um, oh, I just lost the name of the podcast, from a dis Earth Destruction Directive. I did that without even looking it up. Yay, me. Uh, Earth Destruction Directive, uh, he did a series that I stopped listening to because I I started listening to his segments about Shogun Warriors before I knew I was going to be reading Shogun Warriors. So I stopped listening to those segments. Uh, now I have a collection of podcast episodes from Earth Destruction Directive that I've listened to half the podcast. And after as soon as I start reading Shogun Warriors for this podcast... I'm going to listen to the tail end of his Earth Destruction Directive podcast so I can hear what he has to say about um, about Shogun Warriors. And, and now he's going through the Godzilla comics. And it's very fun for me to listen to his new episodes because um, I'm ahead of him. And so by being ahead of him, I every once in a while, oh, another Earth Destruction Directive. He talks about a kaiju movie and then he talks about a Godzilla comic book I've read. And so it's even more fun to listen to him talk about the Godzilla comics because I've already read them. But anyway, I heard him talking about how um, Herb Trimpey, I, I believe it's Herb Trimpey who was doing the Shogun Warriors art and did a lot of things that show that perspective that just, you know, are from just a low perspective to give a sense of just how big those robot uh, battle suits are and in this case it's the same thing you just see just how big he is i mean his feet are just enormous but then as you're looking up because of the perspective his head is very small up at the top and it's very very effective it's uh unfortunately then goes from that page into a story about people who because of that scale <laughs> really should know better than to do any of what they're trying to do uh, based on the scale of the thing that they are facing, that thing being Godzilla. But again, as they are rushing uh, to chase Godzilla um, and they're rushing toward Godzilla, then after the avalanche, there's a, another awesome splash page that gives one, uh, it gives again, that sense of scale. It's an incredible splash page. That, uh, <laughs> the, the Cowboys are, are low in the panel on the page and they're riding toward Godzilla. And, and as they're riding toward Godzilla, they're all yelling, yeah, you know, and they've, it's a typical, like it's, it's uh it's a roundup kind of thing. You know, they aren't going into battle against, you know, some uh, enemy or anything like that. They're, no, they're, they're going after this thing that they want to capture 
<laughs> but uh, and so as cool as the page looks, as cool as the page is, again, the scale that you really are able to get this sense of the enormity of Godzilla, but the page itself screams to you as you are reading it. These guys are stupid. They are stupid to do this. Now, if you can look past the absurdity and the stupidity of the situation um, of them chasing down Godzilla, I mean, what do they expect to do? What do they expect to do? Do they expect to be able to just like, you know, tie his hands and arms and legs together like a, a little calf or something? Or are they expecting like pull him down with ropes? I mean, they there is no way they could possibly get uh, enough uh, power just to bring him down. And obviously they're coming at him with rifles and, and with six shooters. And, you know, that's not going to do anything to bring him down. I mean, they're angry. I get that. Uh, and if the story had been written a little bit differently, it could be about how anger pushes us to do stupid things that are ultimately only going to harm ourselves and not, uh, you know, not be able to get the revenge we're actually seeking after or something like that. But man, this is ridiculous. But if you can get past all of that, there is a very human story going on here and a very, to me, a very human, uh, ending, maybe a humanistic ending even, uh, I I love the resolution to the gun battle that they have. I mean, you have all this exciting stuff going on where they're going after Godzilla, but then you have this short gun battle and and they're shooting at each other from you know two sides and and you've got that going on. But then the gun battle just kind of fizzles out because they're all they're all half heartedly into it, and the bad guys who are bad because they're with Ford, they just don't have the same evil motivation to continue. You know, they, they don't care enough to take the battle to its ultimate ending. Uh, these these are guys who, you know, they may come from rival ranches, but, you know, these are guys who you imagine they, they share drinks together down at the watering hole or whatever, uh, the down, down at the cantina. And, you know, they, they may not get along, but, you know, they're going to, they probably laugh at each other's jokes while they're, um, playing pool against each other. And, and then every once in a while, there might be a tense moment where one bumps into the other and then both sides kind of wait, wait, what's going to happen here. But, um, you can also picture them getting into fist fights at, at the bar or whatever. And, and just, you know, but it's, it's a, it's a friendly fist fight. It's the kind of thing where once the fist fight is done, um, you know, they aren't getting into the fist fight to kill each other. They're blowing off steam and, and, it's, it's, I mean, you just kind of picture that camaraderie that comes out of, that, that comes out of rivalry. And so these guys, they're friends and they are rivals and they just don't have the desire to escalate the conflict to murder, to killing the other guys. And I, I love this idea. I love this resolution and and just that it shows these these two sides as two sides of people you know who are they're people and they're stopping because they realize the other other side is you know they're my neighbors and you know we're just coming out of this political oh my goodness i guess we're not really coming out of it yet uh, the election here in the united states is done but the political poking each other and and uh knocking each other down 
I mean, I feel like that has just started now. Um, it's just, it's just nasty. And what I would love is for the people on both sides of the political spectrum or all three sides. I, I, I kind of see three sides politically happening here where you have one side of people who are all in Hillary, one side of people who are all in Trump and one side of people who are not in for anyone and either have to make a decision one way or the other or have chosen to, you know, a third option. But you kind of have these three sides who are just pushing against each other. And I just wish they would do like what happens here where they just realize, you know what? Those guys aren't bad guys. They're different. Yes. And they are anti what I stand for. Yes. And they might be angry or they might be scared or they, you know, but they're my neighbors and they are people. And that's what I think a lot of times we lose sight of is just the fact that, you know, those people aren't idiots. They're people. You know, those people aren't total morons. <laughs> They're people. And yes, I will say, I'll fully admit, there are definitely on all three sides, let's say, uh, people who are morons and people who are evil. Uh, I'll just put that out there too. And, uh, but those are not the people who define the entire side. They're the ones who are most visible, I guess. Uh, anyway, in this case, you have the people, not the leaders, but the, the followers decide this is a, not a battle I can fight. And my leader here, I, I'm not going to follow. Now, that leader being Ford, Hawks, his people, they're in it to win it. Okay, they don't want his their leader to get murdered. I mean, that's, that's a bad thing, uh, no matter how you slice it. But uh, Hawks, uh, rather Ford's, Ford's people, they, they are not, they, they're going to draw the line here. Uh, you got to draw the, li the line somewhere. And he has pushed things past their moral acceptability. And so you have them just saying, you know what? No, we're not going to fight these people because these people are not, uh, not worth going after just for money. And, they lay down their weapons. Now, Ford himself, he's gone, all right? And Godzilla, I mean, the question is, did Godzilla intentionally do this? Did he do this to save Hawks by flicking Ford off the, the rock? Or did he do this because Ford was bad? And so Godzilla is going to stop it. So, yeah, the conflict is done. Everyone lays down their guns, and then Godzilla shows up, sneaks up behind. Ford, uh, how does a you know thirty-story tall creature sneak up behind someone? Um, I guess very carefully it would be the answer to that. But he sneaks up, shows up, kills the one real, actual bad guy, and the cowboys then begin philosophizing, <laughs> philosophizing. Sorry. Um, so I, now let's. I want to actually quote this. Read this. Uh, the, the, I mean, we, we get this from Gabe Jones too. Here's the Cowboys talking to each other. Um, okay. Godzilla has scre screech and the gun goes off, bram, but it just goes off because Ford's getting thrown off and, uh, Ford yells, yeah. And then did you, 
See that? Yes, I did, Hal. Although I'm not sure I believe it. Yeah! That's a second scream. I mean, this is a long fall. Mr. Hawks, do you think that monster could have... a brain? I don't know, but one thing's for sure. He flushed out the varmints, located my missing cattle, saved my ranch, and stopped a murderer. Only thing he didn't do is save the schoolmarm from a fate worse than death. If he ain't got a brain, he sure is good at winging it. And then, so that's the philosophy stuff going on there, trying to figure out, you know, they don't know if Godzilla did this on purpose. The captioning doesn't tell us anything. Captioning gave us some stuff earlier, but not on this particular element. And then we get the punchline. Uh, I hate to say it, Mr. Hawks, but I just can't resist. Go on, spit it out, Hal. Uh, well, who was that masked lizard? <laughs> and... Yeah, so that's where we are going to end it. Next issue, the beginning of the most imaginatively offbeat epic in Godzilla's history. The unforgettable tale we call of lizards great and small. And just that alone lets me know what's happening because I do remember this arc from the last time I read this. Now, I did not remember the cowboy stuff from the last time I read this, but it's uh, it happened and here it is, you know. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's just we're getting some wacky, wacky stuff. But I think it's the good kind of wacky, if I remember correctly. Anyway, all things considered, I enjoyed this issue of this comic. I'm glad I read it, and I am excited to to read more. But for now, something I'm not that excited necessarily about, uh, the next segment we are going to be getting into Human Fly once again. For now, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Marvel's Cosmic Comics by saying once more, thank you for listening, Godspeed, and, and I have to do it. I have to end it this way. Who was that masked lizard? Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, War in the Washington Monument, The Human Fly, issue number 15. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. 
What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality.